0: Hello everybody and welcome to the IPO podcast channel and welcome to the next in the series of uh, our IPO podcasts. My name is Kirsty Edwards. Uh, I work at the IPO in our communications team, a senior communications manager, managing channels such as our social media blog uh, and this podcast channel itself. So, who are the Intellectual Property Office? Well, if you haven't come across us before, we are the government body that are responsible for the intellectual property rights such as patents, trademarks, copyright and designs. Um, We usually record podcasts in our office in South Wales, but today we're actually on tour. We're here at the British Library between King's Cross and Euston. Uh, And some may remember that back in the day, the library and the patent office actually shared the same building the Southampton buildings that are just off Chancery Lane. The IPO then moved to South Wales and relocated in Newport, where we are still situated, and the library relocated to here in the new offices between Kings Cross and Euston Stations. Uh, The library is really helpful for businesses, and if you are thinking of starting a business, uh, you will need a range of business advice, so why not visit the library here? Um, If you're thinking of manufacturing, marketing, commercialisation, selling, then visit www. Uk. Uh, if you're based in London, then the library is just a hand and it can help with all these elements. They offer training, advice, they have a dedicated business and innovation centre, sorry, business and IP centre, located here on the second floor. This is where we are currently at the moment. So sign up and come and visit. Uh, the office, uh, the IPO, actually run copyright talks here in the centre, where you can come and find out specifically about copyright. So great if you're a photographer or an artist or wanting to clue yourself up on IP. This library itself is one of 14 patent information libraries uh, located around the country. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Julie Dean of the Cambridge Satchel Company. Now, it's hard to contain my excitement because I just love your products. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Julie is not only a successful entrepreneur, but she is the entrepreneur in residence here at the British Library. So, Julie, would you like to introduce yourself and the company? Um, yeah, okay. Well, um, it's, it's such a pleasure to be doing
1: this. It's really uh, lovely to be asked, so thank you. I am Julie Dean. Um, I started the Cambridge Satchel Company nine years ago. And um, from, from day one, the company started selling overseas. And uh, we, we didn't have our IP in place uh, right in in the early days, because the company started uh, with a budget of six hundred pounds, <laughs> and so that wow. um, it, it uh, needed to be spent on getting product and um, getting word out that that we'd actually started up. But it is one of those things that, as the company's grown, it's been you know really important mm-hmm. to us. So um, yeah. no, I'm I'm really happy to be here.
0: So why did you start the business? Why Satchels?
1: Uh, well. Um, I think that I started the business because I really needed to make school fees. You know, I'd like to say I had a light bulb moment, but I didn't have a light bulb moment. I had a, oh my God, I need to make money Um, moment. Um, and, um, my, my children just weren't, particularly my daughter, it it wasn't the right school for her. I, I needed to, um, move her on. And, and so if you need another school, then unless you're going to move house you you're going to have to find school fees and go private yeah. and so as soon as we started looking at um private schools, you realized boy that's a lot of money you know school fees uh, how am I going to do it and like I said, I had six hundred pounds and and had to make that into um twenty four thousand pounds a year after tax so it's a it's yeah. a huge sort of um task and it's a huge ask but I think what's interesting about um my story and maybe why it resonates with so many people is that, first of all, starting something with £600 rather than mortgaging your house or asking venture capitalists and, and having exit plans and, and business models and all of that, kind that's just a lot more, it feels a lot more doable to lots of people. Um, and then my motivation being to to make life better for my children, that's another reason that people can identify with rather than... I mean, if it had just been because I really wanted a, a flash car, I would never, ever have been able to have kept going at, like, three o'clock in the morning. But when it's for your children, you can do so mm. much better. Yeah,
0: really passionate about that. Though. Yeah. Can I ask, um, did the name come pretty quickly to you? And what was your kind of inspiration for the name? I think.
1: Um, I think one thing that seemed... That it was a real constraint at the time, but actually was uh working in my favour, was that it, I had a really short timescale. You know, so I had promised my daughter that she would not go back to that school at the beginning of the summer holidays. <laughs> <laughs> and the summer holidays sort of, you know, end in September. So yeah. um that th- that's a really, really short time. Time frame to get a business up and running and making money, um, and so I, I that seemed like gosh, this makes it so much harder. But in some ways, I, I think actually it makes it easier because when I've spoken to people here who want to start up businesses, they will waste time in putting things off like there's no tomorrow. You know, it's mm-hmm. like uh, I spoke to somebody and she says, "Oh, I've already read twelve business books." I was like, "Oh my gosh." Get on with it. Mm. Just, just get on with it. Take the step because you can take the step. You can read another book. You can, you know, you can carry on putting it off as long as you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you've got a deadline, then that sort of focuses your mind um, yes, a lot. Yeah. Um, and then there was somebody else who said, "Well, I've been looking now for mm, about a year for the perfect name for my company. Let's just stop making excuses and get on with it.
0: Mm.
1: You know, because." It, you're gonna you're going to succeed or fail mainly based on how good your product is and your offering is. It's not gonna be because maybe yeah. your name wasn't the best. Um and so um choosing a name it was I was based in Cambridge and I sold satchels. So it's the Cambridge satchel company. Yeah. Move on.
0: And it's become it very distinctive, hasn't it, since
1: it, it, it has, but the thing is when something's successful, everybody says it's genius. You know? yes. so, <laughs> yes. so my logo, um, I had a a, a really interesting meeting a couple of, of weeks ago when this, this big agency came in and somebody pitched um and sort of said, Oh and I was involved in the team that came up with the original logo. I said, No, you weren't. I did that in the kitchen at home. Myself? <laughs> oh, on my kitchen yes, yes. on the computer using Word. You know, so I, I think that once something's successful, everybody says it, it's fantastic, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um. Uh, and and literally, this was done on Word using Word art, and and if you highlight the Cambridge Satchel Company and and click Bend, it sort of goes over,
0: and and there's yeah, the logo. You had to play around and find what was comfortable for you and what you just yeah, so like. Yeah.
1: So don't get hung up on the stuff that's not going to be the really important thing. The really important thing is going to be the product and
0: and how you get yourself out there. And I think that is important for businesses that sell products, but some, obviously, businesses that are just IP, that are just solely rely on their brand, then they might want to spend more time on that. But for you, it is all about... All about for us, the it's all and about, design you know, and,
1: and also it has to fit with your product. So for, yes, yeah. for us, the product is very, it's a really straightforward, simple, not overly designed or fussy bag. So I don't want mm. uh, a logo that's really fussy or overly designed. And plus, I can't draw. So, you yeah. know, it, it, there's going to be a limit to how yeah. much I can achieve on a logo. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Uh, so... EU trademarks you have so you've got the brand registered in Europe is that covering like the logo and across the names and do you want to talk a bit a bit more about where you're trading across Europe and your presence so
1: our biggest our biggest markets are the UK and then um, the US and China
0: ah right
1: those are our biggest markets yes yeah Um, in in Europe we um, we we do very well in France um, uh, and a lot of that is because we we mm. do um, we're at the Paris Fashion Week and we work with bloggers and right. and we do all of that kind of stuff and and so then um, Nicola gets a lot of PR and, and so that's so What sort does a week converts. for Cambridge
0: Satchel Company look like at Fashion Week then?
1: Often we'll be selling and we will be at London, New York, and Paris Fashion Weeks, wow. and so those are three weeks of really hard work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's it, it, it's. It is lovely to be in an industry that's that's fun and you really enjoy. Yes, yeah. Um, it, they are selling appointments, you know, and it it comes down to how do you how do you make things right for your brand? And our brand mm. isn't a pretentious brand, you know. It's it's made in Britain. It's it's the margins are really small, so you're always going to get yeah. a product that's fantastic value but it, it should be hopefully less than you expect it to be. And so we, we try to carry that through in everything we do. And so so when we go to Paris Fashion Week, um, we will get an apartment through Airbnb and, and make that apartment feel like the Cambridge Satchel shop or, you know, it, it will feel like us. So when the buyers come in, they feel that they're having the whole experience. You yeah. know, keeping the purity and the feel of the brand is really important. Mm. So it wouldn't be right for us to sort of... Um, in the Ritz or something you know that's that's just not who we are but a really really quirky um, characterful apartment you know in a cobbly lane or something is is ideal and that's that's worked well for us.
0: Mm. Can I ask if you you, if you do you trade in New Zealand?
1: A little bit. It's think, not one of our yeah. big ones. I've just
0: recently been on holiday. But it's, yeah. and I'm sure I saw a product in yeah. the window. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so that was just in the back of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And So we're
1: in um, 120 countries.
0: That's incredible. Um, did you think about your IP at all early on in the business? Or was it something that maybe a professional said to you and stepped in at a certain stage and said, look, Julie, you need to be considering this? Or yeah. did I, th-
1: I think at that time... Um, <clears throat> UKTI had their sort of their re- regional sort of business advice Advisors, yeah yeah and so I had this um, advisor uh, Chris and I met up with him and told him what I was doing and um, and then he said oh but have you thought about an IP was one of the things that he brought up yes. early on
0: yeah and we tried to work across with UKTI you know with the exporting week and recommend that people seek that seek that professional advice just before they go to trade yeah we've got attaches across a network of countries one of them being China as well they' on foot actually living in the country and advising people uh so there's kind of the offering the advice from UK before you're about to trade but then also supporting them whilst they're out there with any IP and it's sort of a balance because you can't completely
1: ignore it. Yes. And you can't yeah. wait until you're so successful you're being ripped off yeah. everywhere and yeah. then sort of do it. But at the same time, you can't put all of your funds into it so that it stops you growing. Yes. So yeah. it's a real balance and yeah. and especially at the beginning because in the beginning any, like so you yes, be a yeah, a budget. Yeah. But then things like, if you can get, you know, one that's like an overarching, an EU one, so that you're not having to do every single country individually, yes. or that that covers a, a large, yeah. large area and it's a lot more efficient.
0: Yes, yeah. So like a blanket right for across Europe, which I think after doing a search, I noticed you have got a couple of, yeah. A couple of those. Yeah. And then
1: also trying to think of ways that you can um, protect the name or combination of words so that. You can take down, hopefully, fake websites because that is a massive, massive problem. Yeah, you know, right. in in one year we had almost three hundred fake Cambridge Sexual websites, just popping oh. up and looking exactly the same selling, as our website. Selling
0: products. Selling so, products.
1: Well, it, it, they they break into two. So some of them, um, people would, you could go on one of these websites and you wouldn't get anything because the website disappears and then pops up with a slightly different name or, or something like that. And then the other thing people do on product websites is um, you'll think you're buying something, but you get an inferior product sent yes, because yeah. they've, they've had a thousand of them because you can go on, you know, particularly um, some of the, the huge Chinese websites and those those products are for sale you know you can buy 1000 cambridge Satchel company products well they're not cambridge Satchel company products yes, and yeah. um, but then people will go on buy a batch of 1000 create one of these fake websites and then people think that that's what your product looks like and yeah. and and that's really brand damaging because yeah. the craftsmanship is appalling
0: so there's a level there of the first one you mentioned is more fraudulent behavior yeah. around uh, domain name scams We try and educate people on such things. Um, If you actually visit the homepage, if you listen, if you visit the homepage, uh, there should be a slot on there for domain name scams. And you can also put it into the search if if it's not currently featured. Um, But we experience problems and many phone calls into our information centre about that that type of behaviour. There's also the misleading invoices to actually IP owners as well, where um, companies set up to pretending to be the IPO. So we have companies that set up pretending to be us and then invoice people um a bill for the renewal of a trademark, but it's not from us, and then so again these scams so even as even as a government kind of body stuff that you have to have to look out for um yeah. you know that fraudulent behavior but and like you then they're not ripping off our products um because you know we, that's not my business, but it is it yeah it is a shame and it, it you take it to heart especially when that's come from. Your kitchen with a small budget and it's made hell of a long journey it, and it has and especially production. you know
1: after the Google ad advert <clears> when we had a massive profile and um so we would get phone calls saying, "I ordered this product, it hasn't arrived, what's your order number?" They'd give an order number, and it was clearly not one of our order numbers you know and uh, and at one stage, it was the choice between shutting down another series of counterfeit websites. Or buying another cutting press for the factory, you mm. know, in Leicester, and and if it's a cutting press for the factory, then yes, that's yeah. another job and uh, uh, potentially another apprenticeship that that is not going to happen because we're going to have to just waste money on these people.
0: Yeah, and I'm guessing that you rely on your like your rights around your designs of the product, and so. I guess you've got someone with with regards to your IP that would take care of that for yeah. you. So and we've was-
1: got, um, there's a limit on, you know, obviously we don't own the Satchel. It's been around for ages and ages and ages. But what we do own is are all of the designs. We've got over 200 different kinds of bags and products now. So, yeah, you know, those have been designed from scratch. And, and those we have sort of design protection on.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, And the satchel, our satchels look a particular way and there are elements on there that that we can protect. And and so Mm -hmm. we do go ahead and protect those. And then try and carry things like the card holder and certainly the logo and all of that kind of thing right the way through. So so for people who who love the brand and want to be sure they've got the right thing, they'll know to look for the logo on it. And the minute somebody starts putting things out with our logo on, then that's definitely an area that we can sort of step down on.
0: Uh, Is there any advice for anyone that is listening that you would say suggest to look out for for a copycat product that would kind of indicate so again the logo within the product on on ours yes
1: so on
0: ours it it will always
1: have the logo and most of our hardware now carries the word cambridge down stamped in what we find is it's harder for people to copy you When you grow bigger and have the money to invest in. So my first website, um, I had to code myself, so it wasn't particularly sophisticated or anything, but it did the job. But it was easy to replicate. It was easy to copy. Um, Now, because we spend more on the website to make it mobile responsive and all that kind of thing, that would take people a lot more investment to to have to put into copy so there's a a bit of an element of protection there and that's the same with our hardware on the satchels it says cambridge down on the outside of the buckle now to develop your own hardware people have got to invest in that uh, and it's expensive Mm -hmm. and and you've got to put a lot of money in because you you have to buy quite a large quantity of them so for for people who are just trying to do Easy copycat things, yes. then they're not going to want to do that. So um, it, it's the it's the details that that are the only way that we can. We do we
0: talk a lot around the office types of you know consumers that would buy copycat products, and some are aware and some are not aware, and it's about educating both of those both those audiences. But ultimately, I like what you said around that. If you're buying that type of product and you are aware. That then you're having to put money into shutting those types of copycat websites down. Yeah. Whereas then you're not then being able to like fund development of future products that yeah. would aid and and look you or know, great you on know our prices, so it, even it sometimes people south, will
1: right? say, "Oh, your bags were cheaper when you started <laughs> off." Well, there's two reasons. Yes, they were, but now. They're so well designed and the hardware is so much better yeah. quality. And, and so there's that reason. Yes. But then there's the built-in overhead of we have got to police the brand. We've got, yeah. got to yeah. register our IP. We've got to shut down the fake websites. And, and all those things that you don't see as value added to the immediate product.
0: Yes. Because that's the difference is that it is, it is around the quality yeah of the products yeah they haven't gone through the same you know manufacturing and testing and yeah it, you can usually just tell the difference by picking it up and, and and just looking I, it d- I think yeah and no-
1: you can you can look at it and and it just won't look right you know it's just like a slightly yeah. ugly face you know yeah you look yeah. at some of these rip-offs yeah. and you'll think oh that's a bit wonky and yeah and that's not dead center and the stitching is just a bit long it's not the right length stitch and and it just doesn't feel right but um you know we just don't want to see our customers ripped off and and when our margins are kept small then hopefully when you know our bags are right around the sort of 100 120 pound mark it's it's not like some of the bags that you can get that are thousands and thousands of pounds where you can think yes people might want to buy counterfeits and be aware because they don't want to spend 2000 pounds on a bag fair enough um but you find that middle ground you yes yeah like, if that you that can market. i would hope that when the bag is about 100 120 pounds and you know that you can then have the exact same bag as taylor swift and lady gaga they carry exact yes. same bag not yes. copies then that's worth saving up for and waiting that little while longer and having the right thing rather than having a cheap copy the next day. Yeah,
0: and they're long-lasting, aren't they? You know, they're they're strong.
1: They're really super strong. Products. Yeah, Yeah, they're very, very long-lasting. You You,
0: you you buy three kind of fakes and then... You're you're at the same hundred pound mark anyway. You mean yeah, as well. It's a,
1: it's like some like of you the said, I have
0: that bag that they've got and know that I'm gonna have this and and I'm not only and, on trend yeah. but I've got something that is gonna last me a long time. And though. if the
1: design on a product is really great, then it won't age, you know. So it's it's style over fashion. Yeah. So whereas something might be super trendy, but then it's not. If it's it's really stylish and really well made, then it'll have a really long life, and so it's worth. Um, getting something that's well-made and, and decent.
0: Uh, I wanted to ask, uh, with regards to trading internationally, um, was there any markets that you found particularly difficult? Is there any kind of key tips you'd offer to well, businesses?
1: I think the, the US is is quite difficult because it's enormous. Yes. you know, And, and so um, <clears throat> on Google Analytics, you can see when people are on your website and uh, there's this lovely sort of feature where you can see a sort yeah. of map of the world and you can see the hot spots and all this and, uh, and looking at that you can see that there are people in New York on one side and then there are people in San Francisco on the other side and then you look at the whole rest of the country and think how the heck am i going to reach all of these people with a, you know and and, and it, uh, so much of it comes down to um budget and focus you know yes. can you can you just get um, a, a load of press, a load of PR in that one country? Is that going to be your... But then when we find um, that the the product is so popular in China, then we just have to make sure that yeah. we get all of our, our IP protection in yes. place and all of that. And, and that's very hard yeah. because there's simplified Chinese or are you going to go on the more... You know, there's mm. a whole range of issues then around mm. trademarks when when the alphabet is, is a different alphabet.
0: Yeah, it might be worth you mention, actually, I did mention already that um, we have a network of attaches and the one of them in, in China, uh, his name is Tom Duke. Uh, so if, you, if uh, anyone's listening and want to just Google search IP attache Tom Duke, he can help people file over in that country and offer that support, which provides help and guidance at the right time, like you said, when you're yeah. trading in countries that you want to make sure that you, that you get it right. Um, and what I would say around trading you know, abroad and does anyone consider is just seek a bit of advice, whether you go to the IPA website and whether you look at our um, Protecting Your Intellectual Property Abroad guidance or whether you get professional advice or just have a chat with, with Tom. There's certainly advice out there now to businesses um, and help and, and support, which leads me actually nicely on to um, my question around, would you mind just talking about, be in the library's in-house entrepreneur.
1: Oh yeah, that's a, a massive, massive um, honour to to hold that role because it, it keeps it keeps my mindset really fresh. Getting to meet so many people starting up their own businesses or wanting to start their own businesses, there's um, there's nothing more intoxicating and speaking with people that have a real passion for what they want to do and that kind of excitement and you can you can tell who's going to gonna go ahead and, and do it and who's going to be successful just sometimes by the amount of passion they've got behind it and you know yes. the pen comes out they start drawing it they're they really into it. into it and yeah and you say oh I, I know exactly how you feel about that um and and so that's it's, it's wonderful to have the opportunity, for me to have the opportunity to meet those people. Um, and then hopefully I, I'm i able to sort of steer them away from falling down some of the holes that I fell down, you know, because there's no point in people making the same kind of yeah. mistakes because you will make mistakes. I mean, everybody makes mistakes and things are not going to go smoothly all the time. But it, it's sometimes it's just good to hear that something that that people look at and think oh that went so well if they can see that things you know yeah. there were some moments along the way yeah. when things didn't go so well no, then then they're the... less likely to think that they're doing something wrong
0: yeah and i'm hoping that anyone listening is you know feeling inspired by this and can take the next step if they're thinking around starting a business or they've had an idea maybe that they've had for a while and, and... i think
1: the other thing is you know for for me i started this when um when my children were six and eight, I wanted to be around to pick them up from school and I wanted to take them to school and, and I wanted to be able to do something from home so that if they had measles, you know, I, I could still be there looking after them. And, and so just because a business isn't multi-million doesn't mean it's not a successful business. You know, it, success well, it, success is what the people, what you want to be able to do yeah. with your life. And, and and it's not just about numbers. It's about getting the balance of being with your family, being there for your children, being able to take your dog to work. You know, that was actually quite a big thing with me. But, <laughs> and and I so think. It, I think it's really, it, it's an interesting and important thing in the beginning to think, yeah. why am I doing this? You know, what would make me happy? What would... Yeah. What would mean it's because it's not just about making a lot of money. You've got Definitely. to sort of think, I'm doing this because it means that I can live the life I want, the way I want to live it, and not miss out on my children.
0: And what does a week at the moment in the life of Julie look like?
1: Well, luckily, um, I'm the kind of person who who really doesn't like routine at all. <laughs> I, I really don't do well with routine. Um, and And weeks tend not to look... Same. So um, I've been doing. I was. I was really lucky. Um, I was asked to uh, speak at the Founders Fair for Vanity Fair in New York, and so I did that um, a little while ago. And then they sent a journalist over, um, and I was talking to them about what it's like starting a business off in the UK, so that their American readers could see what the differences um, are. And then we'll do all the photos for that. But but that was sort of one thing we've been. Um, working on and then um, yesterday I had all of the senior team to my house because it's always we always do our senior team meetings at the house (laughs) and and we all sort of sat around and talked about what was going on in the bricks and mortar stores what's going on in e-commerce what's going on at the factory what's you know so pulling all of that together and then um, sort of hanging out in the garden and enjoying the sun afterwards I mean that's a lovely thing and even though We've got 140 people that work at Cambridge Central now, but it's keeping the culture of feeling like a small business and yes. not feeling like it has to be run um, so that it, you have to sit in an office from nine to five and then go home and work on your computer again. And um, it, your work needs you need to hang on to the passion that made you start it in the first place.
0: Mm and then that should flow then throughout the people that you employ yeah, and they believe absolutely. in the brand because they're so much better that culture. Then. They're
1: so much better than they're more creative than, they're more passionate about the brand. They you know and everybody is just happier and when when people are happy, then their energy levels are so much higher. Yes. And you just don't get dull stuff coming out.
0: Yeah. Hey, I might actually pitch that idea of holding a house meeting to my boss. He's just had a new kitchen fitted, so uh,
1: Well, it's ideal. Why would yeah. you not?
0: there we go why would you not it might be worth you mentioning actually that you are at the british library scale up summit on the 11th of july an event so i guess you'll be talking at that yes i will people can book on to come and meet you yeah
1: yeah and sort of building a brand and and scaling up the business because in many ways you know scaling up is is harder than starting up it brings uh, a different set of challenges which um I think I was I was better at starting up than scaling up, but I think I've got a grip on it now.
0: Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Anything exciting coming up? Any teasers we can? Oh, we have. uh, Well, yeah, we (laughs) have.
1: um, uh, Cambridge Satchel is about to embark on um, uh, a much wider range of things that I think will make our customers super happy. It's made us super happy. And then we've got the best fashion collaboration you could ever, ever have that will be unveiled in Paris during Paris Fashion Week in September.
0: Wow, that is And that one,
1: it's a massive teaser. It's as fashion royalty as you can possibly get, but it will be at the Cambridge Satchel
0: price point. So
1: that makes it exciting to me.
0: Yeah, brilliant. That's great. Yeah. Um- so everybody listening, I really hope that you, you enjoyed that as much as I did, because uh, I'm certainly sat here with a smile on my face after a nice uh, chat with Julie. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Um, please visit our website, uk forward slash IPO. You can search for, for help with filing you know, your intellectual property abroad, our IP for business guidance. Um, there is targeted content uh, at businesses who are looking at developing a basic knowledge of, of ip uh, and for you julie uh is it dot it so, is yeah
1: yep just cambridge i mean we tend to go very simple so it is cambridge satchel Simple, simple. right yes simple yes. throughout but hopefully not like simple
0: <laughs> <laughs> well thank you very much for listening thank you for having me yeah on. yeah it was nice meeting you thank you